This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Welcome to Tuesday's episode. It is a mom chat Tuesday, so be excited. There are two mom chats in this episode. One is with Amrit. I'm probably saying that wrong. I did ask her how to pronounce her name, and I was saying it wrong, but now I can't remember, so I'm not going to like open up the audio file and listen. You know what I mean? I remember thinking that it was because I grew up with such a French influence that I say things in a French way. Anyways, that's not important, but she's one of the guests today, and she lives in the north of Spain. It sounded like a beautiful place wherever she lives. I don't remember the exact name of the town, But yeah, we had a really good conversation about boundaries with in-laws and having visitors and postpartum. And she even took it to the next level because she not only had visitors, but she was out for like drinks right away with a newborn baby. So we talk about how kind of, you know, for her, if I'm putting myself in her shoes, I'm in a different country, like I don't have family and friends nearby, and you're very influenced by the culture that you're in and how people do things in that culture. So I could totally understand why she felt like she had to go and have drinks and like be social with her newborn baby, literally right after giving birth, because that's what everybody there does. And You don't want to be like the one person that's like, uh, I just want to stay at home. Like everybody leave me alone. You know what I mean? So it's really difficult. So we chatted about that, about her experience living abroad. The second chat is with a mom who wants to remain anonymous. And we talk a lot about kind of navigating marriage and your romantic relationship post children and also dealing with a partner that is not necessarily supportive of your goals and what you want to do and you know the struggle between trying to fulfill yourself as an entire human and not just being a mom and I don't say every time I say just being a mom I feel like people get defensive because some people are really fulfilled by being a mom and doing childcare tasks and staying home with kids. And and some of us are just not. And either one is okay. So when I say just being a mom, I'm not saying it in the context of like, you're not doing anything because you're doing all the things and it's the hardest thing in the world. And that's why I probably don't like it. It's a different kind of hard and we're all different. So I just want to say that because every time I say like just being a mom, I feel like it's sounds bad, but I don't know how else to word it. But anyways, we have a very honest and vulnerable conversation about that and about potentially, you know, separating in the future. 
couples therapy, individual therapy. So I am sure many of you will relate to how she feels and some of the struggles that she is going through. So that's today's episode. What is going on with me? I am just ready to rebrand this podcast. I'm very excited. I have a big meeting tomorrow with the agency that I hired to do all new branding and then also a website. So I'm hoping to have a blog that kind of coincides with the podcast and have all the podcast information on a web page. Just all the things like a contact form, you know, all the things that people should have. But the podcast itself is not changing. I know people hear rebrand and they're like, what? The podcast is changing? Like nothing about the actual content is going to change. It's just the, the, what's it called? Where I live online. So social media, a website, the podcast cover, that kind of stuff will change. And I will be incorporating different music into the podcast as well. So it's just going to be a little bit more profesh. Anywho, I'll let you just enjoy these mom chats. So without further ado, please welcome the two mom chats. So welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So today I'm talking with Amarjeet. Amarjeet, yeah. Amarjeet. Okay. So at first I thought it was Amarit. I don't know if it's like a French thing where you don't pronounce G's or J's very much. I think that's why I said it that way. Yeah, people have trouble with the J's even here in Spain because they pronounce it like an H. So I'll go to the doctor's office and they'll be like, Amarjit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, so So I'm used to it. Amarjit, Amarjit. So tell me, first of all, your transition into motherhood. And I know you're from Canada, but right now you're living in the north of Spain. So what was the timeline for when you moved over there and when you had your baby? Well, I've been here now for eight years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I've been here a long time. So I originally came for work and I just wanted to, I was 27 at the time. What were you doing for work? I was teaching, teaching English. So I wanted to just leave. I wanted to go somewhere for a year, learn a new language, meet some people, stay there for a year or two, and then just come back and settle down. And ended up meeting my husband. (laughs) Well, actually, we knew each other already because he had studied English in Toronto and I was teaching English in Toronto. So I met him there. So we knew each other already. But yeah, I came to Spain and we just kind of turned into this thing. (laughs) So did you know that that's where he was from? Like, were you teaching English in the exact spot that he was living? Yeah, like we, I, I was teaching English when he went to Toronto to learn English. I was teaching in that school. So he wasn't my student or anything. We just knew each other. We just met because the school kind of encouraged us to socialize with students and things like that. So we knew each other already. But you weren't in a relationship till you went to Spain. No. no. Uh, okay. I mean, there was something. <laughs> it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't fully there yet. It kind of started. It kind of got, got you know. Yeah. That started here. And I I was living five hours away from where he lives here. So where I had gotten the job was all the way on the other side of Spain. And he was here where we live now. So he was traveling every couple of weeks to come see me. And it turned into this thing. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So what was, as a Canadian, I have some experience, like 
leaving Canada and going somewhere else. So in my PhD program, I stayed in Italy for three months. You wouldn't think it would be a culture shock to go to a European country because it seems like it would be very similar, but there were so many things that were so different. So what were your first like impressions of living in Spain? The one thing that hits me all the time is the fact that people are so chill. People, it's all about going out here. Ah. Everyone goes out. The quality of life is just, you know, everyone's just, the work-life balance is so much better. Everything's closed on Sundays. That was one of the biggest things I had to get used to, was everything being closed on Sundays. Like, everyone just chills out on Sunday. Is it the same? Like, I know in Italy in the afternoon, this is what would happen. Like... When you're from the US or Canada, everything is like, go, go, go. And like stores are open 24 seven. And like you have everything at your fingertips at all times. And then I go to Italy and I'd be like out and about walking around and I'm starving. And I'm like, nothing is open because they close for the entire afternoon. They eat dinner so much later. So nothing would be open till like seven. And I was like, oh my God, (laughs) this is crazy. Did you like that about Spain? Or I guess once you get used to it and you know the, like the opening hours and stuff, you can kind of live your life around that. But I mean, I'm used to it now, but it took a really long time took a really long time to get used to the fact that things are closed on Sunday. So on Saturday, I have to do all the main shopping and I have to make sure I don't forget anything because I can't go tomorrow to get it. But I don't know. Now I'm just used to it. Like if I were to go to Canada, like I haven't been home in since before COVID. So in over three years, actually now it's been, because so I was supposed to go in February and flights got canceled or, you know, things happen. But yeah, I... I'm just used to it now. If I were to go to Canada now, I just wouldn't go out on Sunday. Just wouldn't even, it doesn't even occur to me to go out on a Sunday because... Like it can be irritating at first when you're used to like go, 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 like always going shopping. But it's nice because it forces you to spend quality time. Like you were saying, they prioritize going out and being social. I've started to realize, and I think I talked about this in like a recent episode where like, as soon as my husband and I have free time, it's like, we go shopping. Like, why? Like, why don't we go for like a hike or like go make a picnic and sit in a park? And like, why is everything revolve around shopping? It's like, we work, 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 work all week. And then we spend the weekend going to spend the money that we worked for and shop, 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 shop. It's like that lifestyle is more appealing to me. But anywho, okay, so... Your is it daughter? Yeah, daughter. Is turning one year old soon. This week, yeah. So I'm curious, now you live where he's from, right? So we live in the Basque country. Do you know much about it? So it's Mm-mm. it's a part of Spain that's not really Spanish. I kind of compare it to Quebec when I tell people about okay. it. It's kind of like a separatist part of Spain. So if I were to call my husband Spanish, he'd get really angry with me. He's not Spanish. He's Basque. They're, they've got their own language, their own culture. Oh, wow. Yeah, their own food, their own rules. Everything is different here than the rest of Spain. His family is all nearby? Yeah, they're, they're about 15 minutes away from where we are. Like the town we live in, it's about 15 minutes away from his. He's from a very small town. So, And does his family speak English? 
His brother does. His brother speaks very good English. His parents don't speak at all, but I'm fluent now in Spanish. I've been here eight years, so I'm pretty fluent. I've learned pretty quickly. Was that difficult at first? Because I, speaking of Quebec, I did my grad school in Ottawa. And so I had a long-term relationship with a guy from Quebec, but he was actually from Haiti. But his entire family is very, very French. And he learned English in his 20s by watching like TV. (laughs) And his parents could not speak English at all. And his brother could speak a little bit. But it was a huge problem in our relationship because we were super social. We were in our 20s. And anytime we would go out socially with his friends, everybody's speaking French. And I can pick up pieces here and there, but when it's like a social French and it's very fast and like slang, I don't understand what's going on. And it was a huge issue because it was like, how do you, I don't know, it's hard to integrate. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And so did you have issues with that at first? Yeah. At first it was, it was insane. I was like, I couldn't keep up with any. And I went, I basically came with barely any knowledge of Spanish, but I'm, I am good with languages. So like I studied Italian in university and obviously we grew up learning French and I'm just, I, I didn't find it that hard to actually learn the language. What was hard for me was when they were, yes, kind of speaking in that kind of colloquial type Basque, of way. And yeah. yeah. And I had no, and they would mix it with Basque as well, which is, like I said, it's a totally different language. It's like comparing Spanish to like Swedish. It's totally different. So they would mix it and I would get really frustrated. I remember one time I was sitting at, the lunch table like at my in-laws house with my husband and his brother and I think one of his friends and the three of them were talking and I was just I just started to cry (laughs) because I didn't understand what they were talking about I had to just like I'll be a minute and I just like ran away like I totally relate to that it sounds so silly and trying to explain what a big deal it was was like difficult you're like completely left out like of everything Like we would go to his brother's house for dinner, his brother who knew how to speak English and they would still speak French. And I was like, rude, like that's not okay. So, okay. So now, you know, Spanish, you guys are married. What was it like? I'm sure, you know, obviously being from Canada, what it's like to have a baby here, like culturally, were there differences in being pregnant there and giving birth and becoming a mom? I'm sure if you follow me, you hear all about what it's like here. So <laughs> yeah, now actually, yeah, I do know what it's like just from listening to you, but, and just from having friends there and things like that. But here, I don't think it is like this in Canada because I haven't heard about it, but here you do everything through the midwife. You basically, when you register at a doctor's office or you kind of register at a clinic. And then when you register at that clinic, like the public sort of hospital, you get a doctor and you get a midwife, even before you're pregnant or anything. If you're a woman, you already have a doctor and a midwife. So you call one day and you say, I've just done a home pregnancy test. I'm pregnant. They set you up uh, for an appointment with your midwife. And the midwife does everything. She's like the liaison between like you and your doctor, between you and the gynecologist. She books all of your blood tests. She does everything. And then also in postpartum as well, you see your midwife. You don't see the gynecologist. (laughs) 
everything's to the midwife. Yeah. So like here they make you choose. It's like you can have a midwife or you can have an OB, but it's kind of nice to have both and have them be in such good communication. Yeah. I mean, their, their offices are right next door to each other. So some days I would have an appointment with the midwife and right after she's like, okay, I'm sending you to the OB for your whatever exam. She did everything. What was your pregnancy like? It was easy up until about the last month. Yeah, I was just really tired and I was here alone as well. My husband was working. I couldn't move. My baby was two weeks late as well. So oh. it was like, <sighs> so they yeah. were going to induce me on like a Saturday and then she ended up coming on the Thursday. Oh, wow. It was, it was more or less easy. They take really good care of you here, at least where I am. I don't, I can't speak for the rest of Spain, but the healthcare system where I am is really good. They take really good care of pregnant women. And your labor and delivery was like, would you say it was pretty like typical? Like nothing? Labor, yeah, normal. I mean, I had an episiotomy and that sucked, but <laughs> yeah, it really sucked. But other than that, I mean, I had an epidural, went by pretty, pretty fast. It was fine. It was more postpartum. That was the hard part this is my pet peeve is that everybody, I think because we're so afraid of labor and delivery, because that's, you know, we watch TV and the movies and it's always like this chaotic, insane scene. So we stress so much and prepare so much for that, that we don't even consider how difficult postpartum is going to be. And that shocked me because I knew so many people that had babies, like cousins, friends, nobody said anything. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't even have a difficult delivery. It was pretty like typical. And this is terrible. So why didn't anybody say anything? So that's partly why I started everything that I'm doing because I had that feeling. And I was like, I don't want to scare people, but I don't want people to be like, not acknowledge. Yeah. And then also it's sad for people who are having a really difficult time and they feel like they can't express that because that's not good for anybody either. So what was your recovery like in postpartum? Postpartum? Well, I stayed in the hospital first of all for five days. Oh, wow. They wouldn't let us leave because they're very, I don't want to say anti-formula here, but they're very breast is best. Yes. Okay. And so I wasn't producing enough milk. And so while we were in the hospital, they said the baby had to gain a certain amount. I don't remember now what the details are, but they have to gain a certain amount of weight or they can't lose a certain amount of weight. And she wasn't gaining enough. And they were like, no, okay, well, we're going to keep you another day until she gains the weight. And they were like, but we think you, you can go home tomorrow. And they kept just saying, um, okay, we're going to keep you another day. We're going to keep you another day. And then finally, by the fifth day, I was like, you can't keep me here another day. Like, I can't. And so what were they doing while you were there? Were they doing anything to try and get you? They brought in a lactation consultant. They had nurses in helping me, trying to get a latch. They did try, but they were also sort of suggest, like, I was sort of saying, okay, but can't we just give her some formula? Because I have absolutely no problem with formula. So can't we just give her a little bit of formula? Like, no, no, no. We're going to wait until your meal milk comes in. We're going to do everything we can. You need to do this. You need to do this. Sort of making me feel like it was my fault that milk wasn't coming in. And anyway, so we were in the hospital for five days, finally got home. 
and my in-laws were knocking on our door 20 minutes later after we got home. Oh <laughs> so, my god. Yeah. I'm sorry. If I needed I needed the postpartum police there with me. <laughs> if there's something worse than that happening, it's being in the hospital for five days and then that happening. Like you just finally get home and you're like, oh my God, like finally. And then yeah. yeah. I was there heating up. Yeah. No, no, no. And you had the episiotomy and your own. And I just wanted to be home, be with my husband, eat some good food. Cause I had made all these curries and stuff. Um, I don't know if you can tell by my name, but I'm Indian. So. <laughs> my husband is Indian. <laughs> yeah. So I had made all these curries, all this like really good food. I really needed like my spice because I'd been in the hospital for five days and I just wanted to eat and just chill out. And they were knocking on our door after 20 minutes. And I was like, like, so, and also, so here, how in Canada and sort of, I don't know, I guess everywhere else, you have visitors, right? People come here from what I've seen and from what I've experienced, you people don't come over, like your in-laws come, my in-laws came, my brother-in-law came eventually, my husband's grandma came. So just very, very close people. But because they're so social here, you're just expected to go out and like kind of parade the baby around instead of having visitors. So we had just gotten home. We were, I don't know, just sitting on the sofa or whatever. And I think, I don't remember if it was, it was my mother-in-law or my father-in-law that suggested, oh, let's go out. And I remember I thinking about it now, I cringe because I should have said no, but I just went to make everyone happy. And now thinking back, I'm like, why did I? Because I was miserable the whole time we were out. I was there, I still just, I wanted to take a shower and I just, we had just gotten home just then. And they wanted to go out and have a drink at the bar. And my mother-in-law just wanted to push that stroller around the town and the baby was crying. And I was, oh, it was horrible. Like I'm having, I'm having like, (laughs) oh my God. Yeah. Mm. So, but that's normal here. And I was expecting, they, they said, Oh, so, so my, my husband is from um, a small town. So his parents know everybody in that town that day they were asking, Oh, so when, when are you going to bring her so we can like show her to everyone in the town? And I was like, eh, not anytime soon. And it was a big issue for them. It was, it took six weeks. Eventually we went after six weeks, but it was a huge deal that it took that long. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner, 
I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. And it's really hard when everyone that surrounds you and like the entire culture does things a certain way, but like Sure, they do that that way, but 90% of those mothers that are doing it are, like you said, absolutely miserable, in pain, wishing they were just sitting at home. And like, this is their one postpartum experience, you know? Most, well, I can speak for myself, but I'm going to say most people want to just be at home and like cuddling their baby in their own bed and sleeping whenever they want to sleep and eating whatever they want to eat and just being like as comfortable as possible. You feel like you're the only one that is miserable and doesn't want to do it. That is why people do it and continue to do it because nobody says anything because they don't want to be the one that's like causing trouble or, you know, and it's crazy because it's just about putting yourself first in that situation but everybody worries about what everybody else is going to think. And like, exactly. oh, they're going to be like, oh, the girl from Canada, like doesn't want to like, what's her problem? It's like when I didn't want visitors and my uncle made that comment to me that was like, oh, like you must've been really having a difficult time. And I was like, what? No, I was living my best life. People just assume that if you don't 
have the visitors and go out and do this, then, oh, there must be something like dreadfully wrong, like better call the doctor or psychiatrist. And it's like, no, this is just how it should be. Exactly. Leave me alone. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's how it was. So in postpartum, the first few months were really, really hard. And then on top of that, obviously, because I live abroad, my parents weren't here. So that was a huge, and my parents are actually visiting right now. They're in my living room, but they couldn't be here, obviously because of COVID and restrictions and circumstances. They just, they couldn't get here. So they weren't here. So the fact that my parents hadn't met my daughter yet, but then all these random people were going to meet her. That was part of me not wanting to go as well. Like why should. And being resentful. Exactly. This is not what you wanted, what you had envisioned. Like your chosen support people can't be here, which is difficult in and of itself. And now on top of that, you have to go and appease everybody else because they feel entitled to your child. Yeah. And just parading her around and being, I remember just being asked the same questions over and over and people be, people here are very blunt as well. It's not like in Canada that, you know, people kind of are a bit more reserved here. People just tell you things and people say things like, oh, you know, you'll, you'll snap back. Don't worry. Like, okay, but did I ask? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, which is, that's like a very dismissive thing. Like, I don't want to hear about your problems and how you're struggling right now. You'll, you'll snap back. Don't worry about it. You'll snap back. You'll be fine. Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, that's exciting that your parents are there though. Yeah. They're, they're here for two weeks. So this is their second visit. They came once when she was five months and then now they're here again. What has your experience been like as a mom? Cause this is your first child. Hard at first, but hasn't been, I mean, I've been home this year. Um, Here you get, 16 weeks of maternity leave. That's all you get. But I decided to just take a year living off of savings. My husband works. We're fine. So I decided to take a year. So I'll go back in September. So I've just been home. My husband works really long hours. So I'm home most of the time by myself with her. My mother-in-law comes over once in a while. But like every week, my mother-in-law comes over. It's, it's, it's hard. The day is long. He, my husband works 12 hours. Well, he's out of the house for 12 hours a day. From 8.45 in the morning to 8.30 at night, comes home. So it's a really long day for both of us. babies in bed. (laughs) Yeah. That's so hard. It's really hard for both of us, but it's just part of the grind right now. But he does the whole morning routine. I do my workout and he does the morning routine and we have it all figured out. But it's been a challenge for sure for both of us. And so what's the plan when you go back to work? Will you have like flexibility to pick them up from childcare? Are they going to go to their grandparents' place? What? Well, we have a daycare just here local. Oh, nice. um, yeah. That's a really good thing about here is that everything is walking distance in uh. general. Generally here, people just walk everywhere. So like, I know, I think you, you drive Milo to daycare, like a half an hour or something like that. That is like unheard of here. Two hours a day. <laughs> I can't believe but you honestly, do that. Honestly, <laughs> that's like my mental health moment because yeah. I'm driving. I physically can't do anything else. So that's like, I listen to a podcast and that's my like me time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Totally. But here, her, her daycare is just like a five minute walk down the road. My work is four minutes walking just down the street. And that's, that's really so normal nice. here. Yeah. It's, it's quality of life. <laughs> it, is. it really is. It's really awesome to just, you know, you can even just kind of stumble out of bed. Well, before having a baby, I, I could 
stumble out of bed and go to work kind of thing. Yeah, it's really nice. It's like you live on Sesame <laughs> Street, like yeah. in Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah, everything's just here. You just, you walk to the bakery, you walk to the 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 grocery store, you walk to the bank, everything's just everything's just there. Do you guys have plans on bringing the baby to Canada? Yeah, to visit. We were supposed to come in February, but because of Omicron and things like that, the, our flights got canceled, but we'll probably come for Christmas or so. I re- I I want her to know Canada. I mean, we speak English at home. We have we speak we have our little English bubble at home. So, I'm going to try to expose her to as much English and sort of Canadian culture as possible, but I'm also Indian. So she's also going to be learning Punjabi and, you know, I'm trying as hard as I can to, to, to make sure she doesn't lose that. That's really important to me. And is there much of an Indian community where you are? (laughs) No, not at all. I'm the only one. (laughs) I've never met another, and maybe in eight years here, probably I can count on one hand, the number of actual Indian people I've met here. And I've, met I think one Canadian who was oh, actually wow. really rude to me <laughs> surprisingly he was so rude of course yeah he was really rude I was just like really excited to see someone wearing a I think he was wearing like a Toronto Maple Leafs t-shirt or something and I was like hey are you from Canada and he got all like Ugh, got all nervous and oh my wife is over there like his wife was looking so oh. he got all nervous and thought that I was hitting on him and I don't know he was maybe, really rude. maybe his wife's abusive or something and <laughs> he got scared <laughs> But I was like the one time I've met a Canadian, he was super rude, but yeah, there isn't, there isn't an Indian community here for sure. Not at all. At least not where I am. I think in other parts of Spain, probably in the bigger cities, like if you go to Madrid or Barcelona, Valencia, in those areas, there are probably, but where I am, I'm the only one. (laughs) So the last thing I'll ask you is if there's moms out there who are pregnant and they're out of their home country, do you have any advice for them? Set your boundaries right from the beginning. Oh I think God, that's, that's fine for all. That's for every mom because I wish that I had done that. Make sure they know what your expectations are. I actually wasn't even sure, but the the main thing I think is to make sure that you just you set your boundaries. You st- yeah. stick to them. Don't try to be like you said before, kind of the Canadian girl that, you know, is causing trouble. Who cares? Who cares? You do you. Because at the end of the day, like you're going to look back and be like, oh man, like I wish I would have stood up for myself. And I don't think anyone has like set a boundary or stood up for themselves or, you know, anything like that. And then regretted it later on. That does not happen. Have you, I'm curious, that experience that you had, have you talked to your in-laws or your husband about it and how you felt and all that? Of course. I mean, my husband has always been on my side, like from day one with all of this. And one day I, I think I snapped at my mother. Like I have a really good relationship with my mother-in-law actually. Like I have a great mother-in-law. Just when my, when my daughter was born, something just, something flipped in her head. I think that's and very cool about the baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She just wanted to like kind of play mommy with her all the time. And like, it bothered me. So one day, so she had this really annoying habit of just taking her from me, like being, oh, come to grandma and just taking her from me. Yeah, rage. Yeah. (laughs) And one day I just, I'm not the kind of person that gets angry like that. So she wasn't used to seeing me like that. One day I just snapped and I was like, don't take her out of my arms like that. I don't like it and neither does she. 
And then from that, it sparked a conversation. A, a conversation. The four of us sat down, my, me, my husband, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, we all sat down and we talked about it all. And now we're fine. That's incredible. So it, that conversation had to be had because it changed everything. I mean, I cried for like three days after, but the actual conversation changed everything. It, it really made a difference. So good for you for doing that because a lot of people don't, and they just live with incredible anger and resentment towards family members, friends, like whatever, whoever it might be, but you have to address it or you're just going to be miserable. And like, I know a lot of the times people want to be like, assume that the person they have a problem with knows what they're doing and that they're doing it intentionally and that they know that it upsets you. But like, that's not the case. You need to verbalize it and have a conversation. They might have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Cause once we did have that conversation, Oh, I, I didn't know you felt like that. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't know you had anxiety. I didn't, they didn't know they could just, it's because it's, I'm, it's very difficult for me to hide my emotions. Like you can see on my face if I'm angry or if I'm annoyed, whatever. And so they are just like, Oh, we just thought you were just pissed at us all the time. Yeah. Like, no, it's cause I have anxiety because when you're holding my baby, it brings up something inside of me that I can't explain. And you know, it, it had to be talked about. So Yeah. My biggest advice, talk about it. (laughs) I just recorded the Dear Renee episode for Thursday. And that was the biggest thing. It was like an issue with a mother-in-law. And my advice was like, you need to confront it instantly. Like as soon as they make a comment that you don't like, and it doesn't have to be in a bitchy way where you're like, you know, attacking them. You just have to address it in the moment. And I'll always remember when Milo was like three months and every time he would cry, I would go and pick him up, obviously. Like that's just my instinct. And my mother-in-law one time was like, you can't go pick him up every time he cries. Like, you know, and I was like, oh, like that's an interesting comment. I don't like that. And so right away, I just said, actually, like I am going to pick him up every time he cries. Like that's just what feels good to me. Like end of story. She never made a comment again. Like you have to teach people how to treat you at the end of the day. I totally agree. Completely agree with that. Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, I'll let you get to your parents. I'm so happy for you that they're there. Yeah. It's really exciting that they're here. It's such a nice break as well. Of course. So yeah, thanks for this conversation and I will tag you and I will let you know when it's going to be coming out. All right. Perfect. Keep doing what you're doing. Oh, thanks. Have a good night. You too. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume 
consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair's too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. Welcome to the Mom Room. I, in case anyone's wondering, because I haven't talked about it on Instagram much recently. I put up a little question box and I asked people to message me if they wanted to just have a random mom chat. And so I got so many requests, which is great. Like I got more requests than any other question. And I was like, well, clearly people want to chit chat (laughs) about mom things. So welcome. It's so nice to meet you virtually. Do you remember what you messaged me in that question box? The general gist of it was like how I maintain my hobbies and things about me that aren't directly related to my kids, specifically with a kind of an unsupportive husband. How old are your children and how many? I have two. I have two children. They're two and five. Okay. So young. Mm-hmm. Young. So I am busy. I'm at home with them for now. When do they start school where you are? So <laughs> kindergarten math is so confusing to me. <laughs> I, I have Googled. I Google it almost every time until I finally, now my oldest is going to be starting in kindergarten in the fall. So now that I'm like finally in this year, I'm like, oh, I don't have to Google that anymore. So have you been a stay-at-home mom with them since they were born? Yes. Yep. I've been for five and a half years. And so the hobbies, the interests, that is a huge thing that I often talk about because it was shocking for me who spent years. I had Milo later in life that compared to like previous generations. I was 34 So my entire adult life, I was living by myself. I could have all the hobbies and interests in the world, do whatever I want, whenever I wanted. Like, So what was your life like prior to having children? And what are the hobbies and the interests that you are talking about? Yeah. So life prior to kids, I I was, I didn't have them later. I had them starting in my late twenties. Okay. So that felt pretty on track. But I was pretty independent. I worked, I, you know, went to college, did all of those things, had my own fully independent life. And then, you know, you're all of a sudden, there's just no way to conceptualize how truly 
all-encompassing parenting is. And all of a sudden you don't have the time or the ability to go places with the same flexibility that you had before. So the hobbies I'm specifically, I've been into recently, I've started teaching myself how to sew and how to like knit. So I've just been doing a lot of like creative making endeavors, kind of specifically because I don't need to go anywhere to do them. I can set things up so I have accessibility during nap time and after bedtime and I can do those then. And are there things that you would like to do that would take you outside of the home? Yeah, I mean, I miss doing everything. (laughs) I miss doing everything outside of the home. I miss just being able to like reach out to a friend and be like, hey, let's go to yoga. Let's go to breakfast. Let's go do this thing without having to like, check in. Can you get free? Can, can, can you carve out a few hours to go do it? And then, and then can you afford the, <laughs> the class and the, and the food and all the things? And then also, can you, <laughs> do you have a partner or family or somebody who can watch your child for you while you go do it? And then you also have these adorable little kids that are like, no, don't leave me. Yeah. And then at the same time, if you are the one that is typically at home with them and keeps the house running smoothly. It's like, what's the aftermath of you getting home? You know, it's almost like creating a bigger job for yourself because now you're going to have to get home and deal with everything that hasn't been done. That would have been done if you were at home. It's all a part of the calculation, right? We had a friend that got married in the last like six months and we managed to go just us two adults and leave the kids with family. And like, it was great, right? We got the time, the kids were happy, they were safe, they were here, but it took me like a week to recover just the house alone. Yeah, get back on track. (laughs) Small things that like, if somebody who's not normally watching your kids is watching your kids, it's just all hands on deck. They're just doing everything they can to keep things <laughs> together. And so there's so much that like I do unthinkingly around the house as I'm managing the kids. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned having an unsupportive partner. What does that mean for you? Yeah. So It's complicated. He's never really been supportive of me staying at home with them. You know, we live in an expensive part of the country. We're in Southern California. So, and I didn't, I didn't have a high paying job before. So my, you know, any job that I would get right now, it just would not offset the cost of childcare. But unfortunately he just really seems to focus on the resentment of how much quote unquote time I get during the day, you know, uh, he has this fantasy that like when my youngest is napping, I'm getting to relax and just do whatever I want to do. And the reality is when she's napping, our oldest is not. This is incredibly frustrating because it's everything that I talk about when it comes to like being a stay-at-home parent. When quarantine happened, did he not experience what it was like to be home with kids? Like, what did that look like now if he was also home? Yeah, so he did initially. He was working from home, 
But again, you know, he had essentially this luxury that like I was already at home. We had an infant at the time. And so we pulled our older from childcare. She was in daycare uh, like a couple of days a week she was going. So we pulled her and it was just me with the kids all day long. So he experienced it, but I don't know. It didn't just, just doesn't really seem to sink in for him. I think it's also different if he's home, but he's working and he's focused on his own stuff and he's not necessarily, you know, understanding what's going on around him and what you're doing. So have you had conversations about how you feel about not being supported? And so like, did he prefer that you go and work? That's, I mean, the interesting thing is I don't think... I don't think he understands. I've tried explaining just the cost alone of childcare. And then on top of it, that means that I'm no longer available to clean the house and do all the laundry and take care of the dog and do all of these things in addition. And that we're going to need to like drastically, (laughs) you know, right now I do so much of this stuff for everybody and he's really going to need to change so much of his pattern but he, it just doesn't really seem to sink in. He just is really focused on like, no, I, I want you to be working. I feel like it would be a huge like reality check. I always think about, because I'm at home, Milo's in daycare. And I often think about households that have two parents with full-time jobs that are like outside of the home, like busy jobs. I can't imagine that. And it is a luxury for someone to be able to be home. Like you said, like I can run errands. I can take Milo to appointments. I can take the dogs to appointments. Everything. The dealership. There are so many. Everything. And the thing is, if you are managing those things now, who's to say, and judging by what you're saying, it sounds like if you were to then work full-time, those things would still be on you. So now you not only have the burden of like having a full-time job outside the home, but now also trying to maintain all the things that you were doing when you were home. So it's like a double, like double duty almost. Yeah. Yeah. So we, like we've been, I finally, you know, convinced him that therapy was a good idea. Oh, good. (laughs) Have you gone yet? Yeah, it's not really. It's just... Is it virtual? It's kind of a hybrid. So um, like, I think that our therapist has kids too. He's like very guarded about what he shares about his personal life. Of course, yeah. But I think he has kids too. So like every once in a while, he'll be like, I'm so sorry, I'm sick. I'm not sure what it is. So I can either do a Zoom or we can just reschedule. So we kind of do whatever works. What is the vibe of going to therapy? Have you found that you're able to fully express yourself in therapy? I'm, I come from a very therapy positive family, so I get deep fast. (laughs) I I don't have a problem with that. It does feel like such a safe place for me to just like, here it is. Here's everything. But so far, the focus, like, it just feels like he just is really focused on wanting to be right my husband. So it's just been really difficult because he focuses on like peripheral things. He focuses on, yeah, like I'll, I'll come in and say like, well, Hey, I really, 
I had a problem with how we had this conversation, the way that we, you were speaking to me, the way that we navigated it, that's my issue. And then he'll just want to like relitigate the issue itself. I can relate to that where it's like, you want to talk about like a bigger picture item, but they bring up like a specific instance. And it's like, no, like I'm not talking about that one singular event. Like I'm talking about the dynamic Uh of the household or the relationship, you know, it's much bigger. And they'll be like, yeah, but what about last week when remember you did this? It's like, oh my God. Well, I am a human. (laughs) Yes. No, totally. It's interesting because you feel like he's resentful of your situation. Whereas oftentimes it's the reverse and it's the stay at home parent that is resentful of the parent that gets to work outside the home because being a stay-at-home parent is so freaking demanding and it never stops. And oftentimes many people's situations are such that the person that's working outside the home does not pull their weight at home when it comes to childcare or like household tasks. So it's interesting that you feel like he's resentful of you being home. I wish there was like a reality TV show where it like went into a family home and you know, like wife swap, but it would be like husband wife swap. (laughs) I would love that. I would sign up for that in a heartbeat. I think that that would just like crack it all wide open. Yes. And nobody steal this idea because I'm literally, I'm going to Google like TV stations. Literally Netflix, like I'm coming for you because that is such a good idea. It really is. I mean, I I know that so many, I I mean, I know that this is not like a totally uncommon dynamic, right? I mean, like between a working partner and the at-home parents and this like perception of how much time we get and what we do with that time. Who has it worse? Like, why does it always have to, why, why does one of us have to have it worse? Can't we both be struggling? And like vent for a minute and support each other and then move forward. Yeah. It's really like interesting dynamics. Like if there were tangible things, someone was like, okay, what are five things that you want to change? Because oftentimes I feel like partners are like resentful. They know that they're like angry and but they don't actually verbalize like specifically and men are like, I feel like sometimes they need that. And for example, like when I was in quarantine, I was so irritated when my husband would come home from work because like I was pissed. Like it was a terrible time, first of all, but I had to be like, I can't just be angry and like give him attitude and Cause what's that going to do? So I literally had to think like, okay, what can he like, I need to explain it very clearly what I want him or need him to do. So it was like, when you walk in the door from work in that first 15 minutes, come and sit down with us, like interact with Milo, ask me what we did today. Like don't walk in the door, like say hello and then go start washing dishes because it's like, I'm still. Fully in, on. <laughs> yes. Like I have not gotten the relief or like what I was looking forward to with you coming home is now just gone. It's like you came in, you were like, hi. And I was like, eh, and then you're off doing dishes and like starting to make dinner, 
which like, yeah, that sounds great, but that's not what I needed. You're contributing. And I love that. Appreciate it. Please continue to do that. But also (laughs) bear in mind that I have been here all day navigating all these things. And now it's the time of the day when the kids are more likely to be fighting with each other, fighting with me. Maybe give me 10 minutes to like go walk the dog. Yeah. And just not be on child duty for a minute. If there were specific things like that, where you were like, this would just make my day or my week better. Can you think of what those things would be? It's just so hard because so much of it is like the intangibles. Like it's about how, like how we talk to each other and how we notice each other in a day where it's like, it's hard, (laughs) it's hard to like pinpoint and give somebody instructions of like, here's how you can better connect with me. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there's just a lack of connection or like it's animosity? I think that there has been animosity that has now led to a lack of connection because it's easier to just sort of exist around each other than it is to like continue to face this, like this situation. It's just not, it's not resolving on it. It's not going away. It's not just going to poof be gone. And so far, like, yeah, the therapy has just not, it does not feel like he's really taking full use of it. Do you do individual sessions as well? I have my own therapist. Yeah. So he sometimes does individual therapy as well, but less often. Okay. But it's not with the same therapist that you see as a couple. No, I see somebody else. He, he does his with the same person, which I, I'm, I was okay with that because, you know, we just already have such strong rapport, but I see someone separately. With the one that you see separately, Do you work on similar things? Like, are you there for the most part for that reason as well? I've been working. So I've been working for a lot longer with my therapist on a lot of like, I've had um, a big history of codependent behavior. And so like the last year has been really focusing on like having a strong sense of self and really breaking those codependent habits. So it's, that was the majority of it. And then things, when things flare up with my husband, then that ends up what we're, what we end up working on too. How long were you guys together before you had children? Four years. Oh, okay. But you know, I don't know. I was so young. I mean, I wasn't that young. I met him when I was 25, but it feels really young to me now. <laughs> yeah. I know when you look back, oh my gosh, like it's unreal that you were making these like massive <sighs> decisions. I know. It's a baby at 25. I know. Well, if people are listening and they relate to your situation, like what would you say to them? I know you haven't figured everything out yet, but what is a starting point for them? Like, is it a conversation? And it's interesting because it's the same thing with like parenting with any kind of advice that you find online or like get from an expert, it's also dependent upon your partner, right? Like you were saying, like, are they practicing the tools that they're learning in therapy? It's so at the end of the day, I have you listened to the episode that I did with Tracy Dalgleish on resentment? Mm, you must. No, okay, I will. you 
You must. I think it's episode 67. It's incredible. And it's all about this kind of stuff. So she has a lot of great stuff on her Instagram as well. But yeah, definitely listen to that. Okay, I will. Yeah, I mean, the best advice is honestly just focus on what you can control. So you can control keeping your side of the street clean. Make sure that you're, you know, behaving with integrity, keeping yourself kind of calm and regulated, even in when conversations might not necessarily happen in a calm way. But, you know, like, like that's really all you can do. And, you know, obviously we have kids. And so that's a huge anchor, right? And a it's huge, huge. In some ways, I'm really thankful because who's to say that I would have worked this hard on myself, but also as myself in a relationship if I had not had the children to keep me, you know, I certainly don't believe that you should ever stay together for the kids by any means, but I think working hard to make sure that you've really exhausted all of your reserves to get to a good place before calling it. Yeah. And so when you think about the future, obviously you're pretty much in the middle of working at things. If nothing were to change, like I'm sure, like most people, you're picturing a life outside of the relationship and what that would look like. Yeah. I mean, I'm really lucky. I've got a totally solid network of friends and neighbors and a little bit of family in town. So I know that I would have a lot of support in terms of helping with the kids and things of that nature. Yeah. Right now I'm just sort of focused on certainly trying to continue to work on things, but I'm also trying to be smart and figure out, okay, I've been out of this for, out of the workforce for a long time. And I've got to start making a plan for how I'm going to get back in and make, you know, a decent enough wage that I don't have to struggle as much. It's so overwhelming. And this is not an uncommon story where like women stop working and now you've been out of the workforce, their kids start going to school and now they're like, oh, I don't even have to be home. Even if they stay in their relationship, it's like still difficult to get back into the workforce. But now imagine people who your kids are a little bit older and relationships not working out. So you want to leave the relationship. And it's like most of the time the women are going to take the kids and also have not been working and now need to find a job. And yeah, it's like, it's so much and it's not uncommon. Like, yeah, but you know, it was interesting. So I, I met with a career coach a while back just to get an idea of, you know, what I'm looking at. And she was so great, but it was interesting. She was saying that a five and a half year break is not, you know, the end of the world for a mom that like, there are a lot of companies that really want to support women that are re-entering the workforce. And that sometimes that can kind of work in your favor. But interestingly, she said the stay-at-home dads that she's worked with really struggle, even with a small gap that there's this major patriarchal thing that if somebody, she said she was talking to somebody who does hiring and they said if they saw a two and a half year gap on a man's resume, they'd assume that they that they were in prison. 
Oh my God. I was just stunned. Welcome to 2022. <laughs> like that's nuts. And yeah, like the patriarchy, like if there's one thing that I've learned from doing this podcast and just like consuming so much content on these topics, it's like it harms both men and women. Yeah, it completely, it it's terrible for all of us. Yeah, totally. Okay, well, this was a great conversation. Thank you so much for being so honest and so open. I know lots of people are gonna relate to everything that you said and keep me posted on everything. And I wish you so much luck. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. Of course. Are you looking for a podcast that'll make you laugh? You came to the wrong place. That's not us. That's not us. <laughs> well, it is. We are a husband and wife who chat about raw, real relationship yeah, topics. like sex. Like money. Like marriage and kids. But we're not afraid to talk about how your newborn baby probably isn't as cute as you think it is. If you're in need of entertainment while you're driving to work, because that sucks, we can join you in the suckage, kind of like being in your ear. Not physically. So if you want to laugh, come check us come out. Come check us out. Brought to you by the Laughing Couple Podcast. Ha <laughs> ha!